and Happy New Year, our first episode of Mindful Makers in 2024. I wanted to take this moment to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for being part of this journey with me and our Mindful Makers over the past two seasons. Your messages, support and time have been incredibly fueling for the show and I promise to do my very best to continue to bring you content that adds value and inspires reflection. I also wanted to take this opportunity to give a big shout out to the team over at Sheer Lux Middle East for selecting the show as one of the top eight female-led podcasts in the region. I mean, what an honor and a brilliant way to kick off the new year. So for those of you who are joining me for the first time, I'm Sahara, your host for the show. And to step into the new year, I've invited an exceptional woman into the studio for our New Year's chat. In print, you'll read that she has over 40 years of expertise in the GCC, specializing in marketing, brand management, PR, and leadership coaching across retail, hospitality, technology, publishing, healthcare, and education. She is also currently in the Middle East, the only certified spiritual intelligence coach and Edgewalker coach, and she supported over 300 people to qualify as coaches and hundreds of organizations to inject meaning into their content. I've personally witnessed her in action and moderating conferences, bringing people together and inspiring people to think differently with an open-minded, open-hearted and down-to-earth demeanor. It's inspired me every single time and I hope it does with you today as well. So to ignite the conversation for Mindful Makers in 2024, we're sitting down with the one and only Susan Furness. Susan, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Saha. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Isn't it exciting? Yes, you're right. 2024. Yeah. Yes, 2024. Thank you for starting the year with us, Susan. Oh, I'm <laughs> thrilled. I'm touched. And thank you so much. So to talk us through, I, I mean, I, I mentioned in the intro, there's quite, quite an amazing wealth of experience and exploration in your world over the last 40 years since you've been in the GCC. And I'd like to give a little bit of context around that for people who are meeting you for the first time. So would you mind talking us through what it was like creating, you know, your journey here back in, well, you came to the UAE in 1993, right? Correct. Yes. Mm. Just on that cusp, two, three. And you founded one, of, if I'm getting this right, you founded one of the first corporate communication agencies here back then. Correct. What was that like? Yeah. What was the landscape like? Uh, well, it was really um, both exciting. Well, it was an exciting time, but it was an exciting time, of course, born out of a disturbing time because mm. that was just on the cusp of the Gulf War. It was just sort of coming to its close at that difficult time in the very early 90s. And I was able to bridge into the UAE out of Bahrain, where I had been for the decade before, and really, oh, you know, really sort of have my university of life, if you like, um, here in Arabia. And when I came into the UAE at the, at the bridge, it was the bridge of 1992 into 1993, um, it was really such an amazing landscape. It was very open 
to conversation. Mm. And of course, that's what we're doing today, sort of really showing what the power of conversation can do. I like to call that actually the currency of communication. And little did I know that the currency of communication and conversation was really, really playing out in those times. Meaning, you know, um, our wonderful leaders and rulers today, you know, that they were coming up the ranks like we all were and welcomed us into their offices to explore and discuss, you know, what was going on. And as you said, I was able to um, uh, be one of the small handful of corporate communications and or PR firms that began to operate in the region. And of course, some of them, for example, like Asda, Burst and Marcellus have come to be, you know, really, really, really useful, useful um, uh, firms in the communications growth of the region. And I'd like to think that Susan Furness and her wonderful team, my wonderful team at Strategic Solutions, also played the role. Mm. Um, we had some exciting times. What were your typical clients like back then? So who were they? What, what, what was the need being called out for at that time in the world of marketing, PR and communications? What was particularly exciting is because the region was opening up, um, those from the outside that were looking in uh, the big global brands were quite rightly sending, you know, their CEOs and their own leaders in the into the region to have a look. So we had the most wonderful opportunities to, if you like, hear what was intriguing those at the top about being in the middle of the world, because of course they were coming from northeast, south, and west to sort of have a look at what was going on. In fact, that was that was quite quite prevalent through the eighties as well. And then here in the region, you know, we were all, you know, getting terribly excited and had some real strategic thought on how we were going to support the governments of the region and, and the local brand growth of the region, as well as invite these international brands in. And so um, in my sector in corporate communications, we really were about sort of helping Arabia speaks to, to Arabia and indeed Arabia speak to the rest of the world. And it was very exciting. I can imagine it would have been this this era of um, exploration, growth, and building bridges that really have are still around today, which is amazing. There's this really strong foundation, having worked in marketing, communications, and PR myself, I can see um, there's so much richness in that world over here, especially when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to creating cross-cultural um, uh, connections. And I believe that because of the work that was done throughout that period, we are able to do that here today. I'm curious though, when we think about it and bring that um, memory into the present, we're in an uh, an AI driven model. We've got we're surrounded by algorithms. Social media is ruling, and from what I can tell, there's a lot of content obesity going on today, which I remember us talking about before. And I'm thinking of what serves businesses that are in the mindful makers community. 
How would you think we can cut through the noise having had that experience and then seeing what's going on today to continue to market and communicate with meaning and authenticity and and get through this sort of content obesity? What's necessary for the evolution to take place? Yeah, gosh, well, thank you for bringing that in. That's extremely important. And I might even, if I may, you know, go back to those early days to give a little example. But to take this sort of phrase content obesity, I think one thing we can do to help balance that out is ensure that we have great information so that we don't have content obesity starv- uh, dancing alongside information starvation. Mm. Indeed, that we ensure that we're giving out information. And in that, indeed, that brings me on to um, uh, a definition of marketing and marketing communications that I really do like. It's by uh, sort of an associate colleague in Australia, Bernadette Jiwa. Um, and she says that marketing is a series of helpful conversations. Mm. And I love that. I really do. I love that too. I know. Um, I'm also loving the word useful lately. So, you know, if we add on to that, Bernadette, you know, uh, marketing is a series of helpful, useful conversations. Mm. Are they the same? But let me go into the 80s. You see, in those times, um, um, the 80s and 90s, we were very much able to help uh, publications here in Arabia print publications in those days, of course, no social media that you were just talking about, and indeed worldwide with um, not even press releases. In fact, we almost binned the word press release, you know, 30 years ago and only taught news releases with our clients so that we only put out stories that were newsworthy and therefore they could get picked up by mainstream media, both here and in other markets around the world. And I would call that the authoritative voice of the organization, the brand, the product, the service, and of course, the the individual. So that authoritative voice, of course, is information voice. So circles way back round to way back round to where you were just um, suggesting, Saha. So today, what do we do uh, with all the clutter? Um, And of course, the clutter, again, that we create as much as we create, you know, the usefulness. So how do we stay on the side of usefulness and not on the side of clutter? Um, Here's what I suggest, that, that again, we don't forget news. You know, let's always just talk about something that we know is useful and newsworthy. Now, Mm. where do we find that if we're an individual solopreneur or a small business or even an enterprise? Well, NEWS actually has an amazing acronym, doesn't it? It's N-E-W-S, which, of course, is the compass, north, east, south and west. Interesting. You actually can find NEWS anywhere, even under this table. But it's how how you then couch that for the relevance of the moment. And, of course, you and I are in an industry now that where NEWS this morning is not the news this afternoon. Absolutely. Breaks and makes so quickly, doesn't it? You yeah. know, and hashtag trending becomes hashtag last year, yeah, you know, content, before you know it. Yeah. Content you create in the morning could be out of date by the evening or it could be offensive by the evening because something will have happened in the world that makes it that way or it could be confusing or, you know, we there's that very interesting whether you've used is useful and looking at how things serve perhaps as well what what how will it be a, 
observed and served in the best way possible is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so good at picking up on words because your words matter, don't they? They really do matter. Let's take observe. So um, I like to use this phrase and that's find truth in observation, not opinion. So Again, back to how we're nourishing our own social media channels, our corporate and product social media channels, and indeed the news releases that I hope we will all put out in 2024 and not press releases, you know, the old who, what, why, when, where, but really, you know, really good news um, that we, we look at, um, we, we take a, an observation stance that is useful. I mean, because even... Research, primary research is old by the afternoon these days, isn't it? You know, I mean, scientific research, perhaps not, you know, and medical research, perhaps not. That needs a much longer life cycle. But if we look at marketing and and, uh, market research, you know, it's sort of, um, it's what I call BC before it's AC again. BC meaning I I took that acronym from the curious corona time, you know, before corona. So it's almost like old news already. Mm. But um, having said that, um, I think to be a realist and to be a futurist, you also need to appreciate the past and be a bit of a pastist. So even in the old, you know, there's nourishment to pluck out. And getting back to content, um, um, it's it's being precise and concise, but as we were saying earlier, purposeful and useful mm. and and bringing in some facts and figures if we can get them to juice up what we're trying to say but don't get into please try not to get into that that realm of let's say debate but mm. keep in the energy of conversation by using observation and not opinion mm. because what is right question mark I love that I'm gonna hold that very gently and just park it there in front of us because I think that there's so much noise in the world and having the ability to differentiate between what is right question mark and looking at intention can really help us create those conversations instead of debates and that creates more connection and it creates what we're looking for when we essentially put messages out there which is that dialogue with with the world around us and that connection. Um, So taking all of that and I think using it in a way that serves best having you in the Mindful Makers community now, I can see you've got a wonderful variety of tools in your metaphorical toolbox. And we're sat here at the beginning of the year looking at the year ahead I thought it might be a nice way to serve and be useful to the community to start gently looking inside your metaphorical toolbox. So I'm going to start with the community that might be looking for inspiration or guidance on coaching and don't know where to start. Can you tell us a little bit more about what what Edgewalkers is and how it plays out in the world. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the toolkit is very, very important. And I also feel it's important that we carry 
a light toolkit, a lug- luggage, not baggage. Mm. And so I'm often looking in mine and unpacking it and having the courage to leave some things behind and um, see what I'm carrying forward. It's not easy. And that metaphorical toolkit as well can be taken into our organisations just so that we all have a good spring clean every now and then. We can come back to that if you like. Let's now look at edge walkers. So edge walkers, um, who or what is an edge walker, first of all, which might then sort of answer a little bit as to what intrigued me in 2006, 2007. An edge walker, according to Dr. Judy Neal, who wrote the book Edge Walkers, is an individual or an organisation that uh, takes risks, builds new bridges and breaks new ground. And of course, you and I have mentioned bridges quite a lot already today. And that metaphorical bridge is, uh, of course, what we're on at all times. You know, I know we're trying to go from here to there. We actually only ever get from here to here, don't we? Because we're always here when we get there. But that's a, we're constantly on this bridge, you know, and it's a bridge less travelled, isn't mm. it? So what really intrigued me about Edgewalkers is that um, Dr. Judy Neal had really, really looked at the intersection of the inner intelligences in the workplace and actually named it Spirit at Work. And that became very, very, very successful, a uh, very successful movement, if you like, into organizations across uh, America and the world um, in the early 2000s. In the, in the. And uh, she wrote the book and she wrote the book after observing so many of us in the workplace back to that observation and was able to identify, in fact, um, how, how we responded at the leading edge of change. And of course, we're always at the leading edge of change, aren't we? We're constantly in a state of change. Indeed, absolutely. And that means we're constantly in the, in the state of growth. Because if growth is change and growth and change is growth, we're constantly in those two dance areas. And uh, Judy could see this and she noticed within side organisations that there were indeed five archetypes. Now, it helps to have archetypes, doesn't it? You know, it's just, I know we all say, oh my goodness, another set of archetypes or, or profiles. But there are five. I won't go through them now. Um, but what I feel is most useful to us and what really drew me in, as per your question, is uh, Judy also named uh, five qualities of being and five skills. And those qualities of being are something that we all hold, for example, self-awareness we hold that do we practice it mm-hmm. integrity you know we hold the grittiness of integrity but how do what do we do with it how do we grit that up really how does it show out in our world um courage and vision and then also the last one playfulness oh i love that i know i know so the, easily forgotten it is and it's a lovely definition as well i think it's um the ability to be really specific but hold things lightly wow really really wonderful i can imagine that would serve incredibly well especially when you're going through something quite challenging and it's very easy to get locked into 
the vision or integrity um, or you can get stuck in this realm of self-awareness and not know how to move through it. So it sounds very much like these parts complement each other in and hold each other as pillars in a very stable way is what I'm hearing. Yeah, a very beautiful way. Very, It can offer stability, but of course that too will pass. Yeah. And we can, even when we're feeling it our most stable, we might then get wobbly and vulnerable. And of course, that's the wonderfulness of the lived experience of life, isn't it? But to sort of complement those qualities of being, Judy also came up with five skills of an edge walker. So why we can enhance and play and practice with our qualities of being, for example, self-awareness. I think most of us can just sit for a minute and think, okay, what do I do about what I know about myself? Question mark. Let's just hold that now and you know, we could do something with that later. But let, let's go into the skills, which sometimes we need a little bit of, of help on as well, you know, a little bit of help to really hone in on. And they, the first one is knowing the future or sensing the future. Which wow, I, we're that's gonna a big one. In, yeah, isn't it a goodie? <laughs> really, and particularly because we were just, uh, I was mooting about research earlier. You know, how does research help us know the future? Or do we need something like intuition to help us sense the future? And indeed, why not a mixture of both, you know, a cocktail? And how do we create that cocktail? Which then takes us into the into risk-taking that I just mooted before, but I like that to come second. Because then, you know, how do we uh, take the risk out of risk-taking? Because indeed... I mean, even coming on here today with you is, is you know, you've, even I, you know, even I, you know, who's been a communicator all these years, you know, the butterflies come to play, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you know that you're sort of, oh, you're putting yourself out there. It's a little bit of risk. So every bit of growth and every bit of change is risky. But how do you mitigate that risk? And so then Judy also gives us some another three skills, manifesting focusing and the one that I know you will love too and that's connecting so those 10 qualities of being and those skills just spoke to me so much Saha way back on that cusp again 2006 2007 and someone on listening to us now will remember that that was just before the global financial crisis absolutely what a time for it to come out Ooh, what a toolkit for me to hold with me Saha going into leading teams through that heady three years that we were about to 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 observe and witness and experience I can imagine it provided a great deal of grounding for you but also for the people that you shared it with through a time that was very uncertain and um potentially caused a lot of fear around people, you know? Oh, yes. I mean, fear. It's such a wonderful word, fear, because if we drop the F, we've got ear. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us back to something I know you and I like, aside from talking, and that's listening. And of course, yeah, where does fear come from? You know, if we try and listen to that root of fear, um, which is such an easy little thing to come up, isn't it? And yeah. And so very much so, not only from Edgewalkers, but bridging that right the way into 2020 when we had the curious corona time and I was able to use some of the Edgewalker fundamentals to co-create strategic heartistry. Strategic heartistry actually talks right into 
the heart of the fearful leader, helping moving them over to fear, fearlessness. Mm. And in that place of fearlessness, you know, how light you feel, don't yeah. you? Yeah. How do you encourage to bring in more light through these tools is, is what I'm hearing. And if you're a leader, for example, out there or you're in an organization and you feel perhaps that you're, you don't quite fit the mold, you're very successful at your job, you're very recognized for what you do in the world through the space that you hold in your business or in the organization and yet perhaps inside you're feeling a little bit out of sorts and not quite sure whether you're fulfilling your purpose is this one of the tools that you could potentially draw on when you're on that that line between strategy and creativity and you sit against you you sit within both worlds and you don't tick one particular box because mm-hmm. people love boxes, don't they? Oh wow! There's, yeah, yeah. Boxes, labels—you know—all of those things. It, you know, and there's a usefulness in them because you know we've used the word usefulness a few times today too. And even in finding our purpose, there needs to be a usefulness. And there is a usefulness in boxes and labels, and you know all of those things. And and I think as a communicator or as a comms strategist, um, I'm not against them. Having said that, I'm also, I love to welcome in the multi-hyphenate, you know, that you can wear numerous labels, can't you? As long as they're in dance and in complement to each other and don't weigh you down and don't, and don't um, um, get you com- in a state of confusion that you're not sure which one to pull out in its useful guise at that particular moment in time. And I sort of feel I heard you mention there or sort of intimate that, you know, when you just feel that you're caught and stuck, you know, maybe in a corporate box or under a corporate brand or within a a team or a leadership in in energy that it's not feeling congruent with you anymore. I mean, that will be the dance of self-awareness and integrity sort of coming, the little wings coming in to talk to you won't it uh, mm. be? And it's really how how do you listen to that and how do you reach out for some support to, you know, open up the ear inside of fear to find out what it is that really is causing you the discomfort or the incongruence at that moment. And in, in, in that state of uh, feeling dis- uncomfortable, it's highly likely we will lose or our usefulness will be diminished or it will start to drain away. And in can come vulnerability. Some call it shadow, but of course, I find there's great value in vulnerability, Saha, just like there's great value in vocabulary. So, you know, finding those right words, finding that right, and even the words that you speak to yourself, because, of course, we chatter to ourselves all the time, don't we? So it's not only the vocabulary that you and I use as external comms communicators or indeed as internal communicators to the team, yeah. but also the, the vocabulary that we offer to ourselves, mm. all that chatter in our heads. That's a brilliant starting point, and I can see how it will serve serve those in a space of perhaps 
feeling a little bit lost or looking to um, question what's next when it comes to 2024. And can I just say the extensive lexicon you bring to the table fills me with such joy. I mean, I'm just living off these words that you're bringing into the space and they're really, really nourishing. So thank you for that. Um, moving on to spiritual intelligence now in your toolbox. Are we, are we able to go into that space now? Oh, it fits here. Yeah. So just to clarify, the term spiritual here is distinct from anything that is faith or religious based. It's more about the existential intelligence. Is that correct? Oh, wow. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is all from the space and place and and uh, vision of inclusivity and um, not necessarily neutrality or neutral, but inclusivity of us all. And um, again, there's another book. I love books. It gives us a real foundation, doesn't it? Yeah. In which it's something to grab hold of. Real this, books. I'm not a Kindle fan. Ah, yeah. You, well, you can get this on Kindle or real, but I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a real book person. And um, this real book is called The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. And you won't forget this author's name, I don't think. Cindy Wigglesworth. <laughs> a fantastic name. Yes. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. So, yes. And as it happens, both Judy Neal and myself are also coaches in spiritual intelligence with Cindy, um, which I think was like, it's sort of like, it was just one of those things that started happening at that time. Um, uh, both Judy and Cindy are based in the United States, um, uh, in the central side of the States. And so spiritual intelligence really, yes, it's I mean, an easy way to, to explain it, I think, Sahar, is bringing out the wings of wisdom and compassion, whatever is going on inside of you or inside of the moment, you know, the room, you know, so I suppose in short, um, how not to lose your call. Right. Yeah. 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 Because we, we talk about IQ a lot and we talk about EQ more recently, I think in the last decade. Um, so IQ being, you know, helps us interact with numbers and formulas and emotional intelligence or EQ interacting um, with people. But what I'm hearing is SQ brings us and helps us maintain inner balance, which is something that the other two, which can complement the other two when you're really in the thick of things. And it's funny that you mentioned Cindy. I was reading up about her earlier and I loved her definition of um, spiritual intelligence. She said, it's the ability to act with wisdom and compassion, as you mentioned, whilst maintaining inner and outer peace, regardless of the circumstances. And now we're in season two of Mindful Makers. What I can see common in each of the Mindful Makers that have come on the show is they always strive to look at how they can maintain that balance. And we talk about it a lot because life throws things at you and you never know what's coming your way. So now as we, we prepare for our own journey into this new year, I think approaching life with this idea of how can we ground ourselves how can we maintain that inner and outer peace, nourish ourselves, but nourish our community with kindness and compassion is such a relevant topic. Don't you agree? Oh, I do. And I'm so, so 
grateful that you've really framed it and named it and pulled it in in that way. Absolutely. And um, I think just to keep with Cindy's work and Judy's work at the minute, this is also all about stretching our worldview, you know, stretching our worldviews and coming into, as you and I said earlier, inclusivity so that eventually, actually, we come into oneness. Mm. Because if that worldview is, you know, circular and goes all the way around to here, you know, we come into into togetherness, oneness, and maybe a sense of enoughness just comes to me then. Um, but not enoughness that then we're just still, as in still and don't do anything. Stagnant. Yes, a place of stillness, but a place now where we can really go out and serve I think you mentioned that right at the front of this conversation today, how we how we serve in the world. Mm. So if someone's looking to perhaps um, open that tool and start perhaps being coached in spiritual intelligence so that they can move in a better way in the world or it serves them and their inner community or outer community better... Um, where would you tell them to start? Can they contact you? Is there somewhere that they can um, go? Yes, absolutely. Um, should we give some web, web addresses or will you put that in the bottom at yeah, the yeah, end? Yeah, I'll put yeah. them in the show notes, yeah, but so, you can say them. Oh, gosh. So we have, um, so Cindy, um, um, we work under deepchange.com. So you can go there for spiritual intelligence. You can go on Amazon, of course, and get the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence, the book. And we have a lovely community of coaches around the world, um, I think nudging 300 of us now. And, and so you can reach out to me or any of the others that you'll see on the website. And um, many, many, a good, good half a dozen, if not a dozen, also bridge into Edgewalkers hmm. and have become Edgewalker facilitators. And actually, we've got a new cohort in training at the minute. We have three Three edge walk, newly newly certified edge walkers will be coming into the world in about a month's time. Okay, and um, uh, edge walkers also has the book, as I said earlier. But we have the website www.edgewalkers.org, and the news for this year, twenty twenty four, is the Edge Walker Academy will be launching in a few months, and that will be on a AI powered platform. Oh, wow. A learning management system called MaximizeU.life. So do take a look over on all of those. Lovely. Thanks for sharing all of that. I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes as well, because I Thank think it's you. really important when people are looking at these things to have spaces to go to if they're curious about what what's what route to take. Indeed. And Indeed. you're also a certified wellbeing coach um, from Raw Horizons Academy. How does that play into all your other tools in the box? Yeah, well, thank you. Gosh, I'm so pleased you brought Raw Horizons in because actually we're going to be bringing Raw Horizons into um, Arabia in 2024. Um, um, not that you can't get Raw Horizons now because everything's global, but we're just going to give a little bit more focus into this marketplace. So Raw Horizons is amazing. So in 2019, I actually embarked on the Wellbeing Coaches training. So that was just, just before Corona. I was on a cohort of 12 coaches, amazing, amazing dozen. We're still very much in touch. Mm. And now all of that training has gone online. And um, we're all also certified to 
um, offer well-being to the NHS care workers in the UK, which is quite wonderful. But we are bringing the um, coaches training into Arabia this wow. year in nice. 2024. So anybody looking to have more direct access to that particular strand of well-being and coaching in that space can talk to you about that. Absolutely. Or go on to Raw Horizons Academy online. Um, and indeed, you know, just a little bit about well-being and wellness. You know, I sort of feel that, you know, the well-being is really that bringing us back inside again, Saha. And you talked about um, IQ and EQ earlier and, of course, SQ. But this is bringing in the PQ, the physical intelligence. Oh, wow. Right, really into play. So we've got the quadrant. So we've got the IQ, the EQ, the SQ and the PQ all working in harmony. And that's where we then get into where I call wellness as the necessity of being well, mm. as the difference of being well in well-being. So just holding those two words, wellness and well-being. Mm. Yeah, because they are used quite interchangeably these days, but I can see how they're actually quite distinctive in their own right. I feel that they've got different energies, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also the um the the movement, pardon the pun, but the movement into them or around them has also different results in different ways. So Indeed. it's almost like we need both. And for different and for different individuals, because yeah. uh, we all do need both, and we all do need everything. But in what what uh, quotients, what, what capacity, what, uh, yeah, what capacity, what what measure, yeah, and at what and it can be different measures at different times of our lives. I call it, you know, the different states, stages, and and levels of our lives. We need different states, stages, and levels of our intelligence quotients to come in and support us and integrating those intelligences is critical, I feel. Um, and that's why in spiritual intelligence feels so important to me. And particularly when we've got an intelligence that is artificial, that has mm. captured the headlines last year in 2023. Very yeah. interesting segue. <laughs> Yay. Very, very interesting segue, because I was just about to come into that, actually. You read my mind. <laughs> Because I know you mentioned actually you you um, hinted to it earlier when you were talking about the platforms, um, and I know that you're a very active member of the Web three community, and we're part of the Meta Shapers community together, which is hosted by the wonderful Sharad Argawal. Shout out to Sharad, um, and we're frequent, and you're frequently at the forefront of conversations happening around blockchain, Web3, the metaverse. And to an outsider, the juxtaposition of the metaverse and SQ and all the other tools that we've been talk talking about or discussing can seem contradictory. Looking at human-centric coaching and intuition and instinct, because I can see there's a bit of a difference between the two, um, where do you see these worlds connecting, the world of Web3 and the metaphorical toolbox that we've so far unpacked? Mm -hmm. How do you bridge those two? 
Yeah, gosh, another bridge to cross, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I love these bridges. Yeah, the world of bridges. Um, and of course, some are short and some are long. Mm. And some we never get uh, quite go across. You know, mm. we're always in the middle, maybe helping others across and mm. not even getting across ourselves. Yeah. Um, so how do I see these all entwine or dance together or, you know, really play out in the future and our world in the, and our lives in the future? Well, first of all, um, let's take Web3 and let's honour Web2, where we are now, the two-dimensional world of, of the internet and the internet where we are users and we're, we're more, you know, we're just sort of, we're just right, reading and writing and connecting online. In Web3, we will have this opportunity to really participate to what's happening online. So, in comes an opportunity for creating a world that is now truly inclusive because that inclusiveness is an extremely important part of Web3 um, because ownership, individual ownership is an extremely important part of Web3 and the hard work of the blockchain pundits these last decade and a half um, trying to get the blockchain really into robust and uh, usable state for us all, um, even though many of us were probably going, what is going on? What is blockchain? What is crypto? What is this? What's the other? Well, here they are. We welcome them in as fundamental tools in the toolkit of the framework of Web3, which allows us into a 3D immersive state that has been called the metaverse, because we all love words and we've said words matter. And so we've been calling this metaverse. But of course, there will be multiverses in this immersive economy. And it's very important, some of us feel, I know you do too, I think, Saha, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we're able to turn up as the individual and show up as we are could be our digital form, our avatar form, but don't forget, it's always us. But we don't have to keep changing identity as we pop in and out of different metaverses or immersive, immersive spaces, that there's an interoperability within the, this immersive space. So how does that interoperability really play out so that the compliances work, we feel safe. In fact, do we want the word compliance in Web3? But conscious compliance, a bit like, you know, we've all been working for conscious capitalism. So some conscious compliance so that one of our colleagues, Jamie Brett, calls digital economic justice. That really speaks to me. It speaks right into the leaderful side of me. It speaks into the community side of me and I'm really, really, really filled up about the the sensing the power of community ship within Web3. Mm. And we already know from some use cases that there's no good spending millions to launch something in the immersive economy if you don't have a community first. And so community first is critical and the marketeer in me is thrilled because I also feel that the marketeer in me has helped towards giving lip service to customer relationship management over the decades where we hardly used our data. 
where we hardly use the knowledge or the know your customer knowledge, be us a hotel, an airline or a retail store or indeed a PR company. And of course, then we got into that bridge between 2012 and now of inbound marketing, where all we were doing was the other extreme of not knowing your customer and thinking because the data told us this is what we do, that we know you. And so this is what we're going to throw at you. So I'm really looking forward to being part of the world where we can actually let the participant, because no longer in Web3 will you just be a user, we will be a participant. The participant, the community ship, show us and tell us and speak to us, whoever the us is, you know, us all in there, about what it is that we want. And indeed, one of the phrases that I've heard on a couple of panels that I've been in is, for example, the early adopters of Web3 are the gamers, you know, and that can be our little children and nieces Absolutely. and nephews. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they're driving decisions. Driving the decisions. And I, I think you were present when we were at the, the World Metaverse show uh, last year. Uh, no, the year before, 2022, November, gosh, time has gone, um, where we asked the question, is gaming revolutionising Web3 or is Web3 revolutionising gaming? And I think, you know, a shout out to the younger gens who are, you know, helping create comfort in the immersive space. Um, and also a shout out to more the wisdom and elder gen, because the industrial metaverse, in fact, is what drives the room we're sitting in today or the aircraft we we fly in or the cars we drive, you know, where the prototypes, the digital twins have been used by the industrial metaverse sector mm. for a decade and a half, two decades. And it's the elders generally when I go to those webinars that are in the room. And when I say the elders, that includes me, you know, the over 60s who, who of course, in their early careers as 30, 40 and 15 year old, 50 year olds were driving the, the um, usefulness of the industrial metaverse and digital twins. Mm. So I feel very much if we ensure, Saha, that all intelligences that we bring to the table are the right intelligences for the usefulness. The And how do we know if that is? By, by really looking clearly at the intention yeah. and the impact that we want to create. And I'm using positive, silent before each of those, the positive intention and the positive impact. Mm. It's very clear now how those, the Web3 journey ties in with the coaching and um growth journey that you've been on so far because I can see massive opportunity to engage in those conversations and inspire generations to do better instead of repeating mistakes that we will have made with Web2 and applying that instinct, intuition, intelligence from a human-centric perspective can bring about those results rather than shying away from it and just saying, well, this is tech and it's very separate. You know, that's a very important bridge to be creating. And I'm so thrilled that you're part of that community because it's a conversation that needs to be had again and again and again whilst we're in this phase of development. Oh, well, thank you for calling that out. And, you know, of course, you know, you were very much part of helping us um, 
um, get our first summit, our MetaShaper summit out in October, which yeah. is a huge success. And, and super fun. And super fun. And, you know, and that turned around, um, you know, with um, a six hour, I don't know, 30 speaker cast in eight weeks. Why? Yeah. Because we showed up professional mm. people that professionals, none of us are professionals in Web3. We're all, we're all at the cusp, right? But we showed up to share in 20 minutes what we knew. And, and of course, we have another summit uh, happening uh, just next month in February. Yeah, very yeah. exciting. Yes, I'll put the details of that as well in the will show. Will you? Oh, yeah, Sherrod yeah, will be thrilled and the community would be yeah, thrilled. And sure. Thank you for helping us on all of that. Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had the, the timer from our wonderful producer go off. Before we wrap up, I just want to ask, so far what we've unpacked, what's your sense for the year ahead? What can we let go of in order to make room for the new and, and space for, for growth or, or peace? Mm. Wow, thank you so much. Um, uh, the first, I, uh, there's a word that's again shown up two or three times and that's fear let's let go of fear let's let go of fearfulness in in honor of fearlessness knowing that it will all be all right in the end and actually if it's not all right it's not the end I mean I think somebody said that that quote at some stage but of course we don't even know what the end is anyway you know are we living a finite game or are we living lots of little finite games that's the infinite game i rather go into the infinite game energy so just let go of fearfulness not being not realistic not being realistic about what's happening but just let go and and reach out and know that you're held and um know that in emergence again as we said earlier there's always change there's always transformation and there's always growth. Mm. And we're not going to be the economists that talk about negative growth. We're going to be the, the, light, human, the, the light, light workers yeah, yeah. that talk about positive, nourishing growth. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Susan. I think it's really important. Fear is a really pesky one. So I'm on board with that 100%. Um, and what's coming up for you this year? I heard there were whispers around something around the Colour Symposium. Oh, wow. Yes, of course. Thank you. Um, in the curious corona time, I, I migrated from wonderful Dubai to glorious Ras al-Khaimah. And again, in honour of emergence, and we've talked a lot about emerging and sensing the future today, uh, Ras al-Khaimah is an emerging emirate. And so um, with some real vibrant entrepreneurs down there, we've created um, the Ras al-Khaimah Livability Symposium. And it's a collaborative marketing platform for all of us in Rasselheimer and those of us that want to be part of Rasselheimer's growing economy and, and conversations and community. A bit like how you started off our conversation today about Dubai in the 90s, you know, feeling into that energy. And so we've created this symposium. That's a gathering of, of not experts, but people that can hone in on a topic and we've chosen the topic colour for our first symposium. Beautiful. So we're in, we're in a rack talks colour mode. And um, our first uh, public circle of that happened a few days ago, um, just on the end of last year. 
And um, in this year, in later this month, we will be um, on the 17th and 18th of January. We will be at the University of Rasselkhema for two days hmm. with, in the Middle East Startup Awards gathering. And we will be there talking colour. And we'll be talking about uh, colour, almost like if we bring in purpose again, the purposefulness of colour and the colour in economics and business. And so we're calling it Colour Talks Business. Well, that sounds fascinating because I'm a big fan of colour and how it's been used or how we use it and the colour psychology and all of that. So it's music to my ears. I'll definitely be it's a strong looking language. forward to that. It's a strong language, Saha. You're yeah. right. Yeah, subtle language, but it's a strong language. Mm, beautiful. Okay, so here we are, Susan, the final two questions. Uh, the first one being... If you had a song that epitomizes oh, yeah. you at this moment in time, what would that be? Wow, yes. I mean, this, um, you did nudge me that you might be asking me this one. And, it, you know, um, and I'm a lover of all music, a bit of a multi-hyphenate game. Um, but I, there's one that I'd, I'd urge us all to just go and take a look at the lyrics and even put it on because it's marvelous to have on loud. And I think it's so important for this moment in time. And that's Man in the Mirror mm. by Michael Jackson. And there's a word in there that's uh, two lines in there that say something like, you know, if you want to help change the world, take a look at yourself and see mm. what you can do. Yeah. So powerful stuff. I'm going to go and have a look in the mirror. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I can hear it already. It's mm. very powerful, that song. It is, yeah. And if you had one item that you could take to the moon with you, what would it be and why? Oh, so I wanted to just unpick this a bit. So am I an astronaut? You know, I'm, am I in a spaceship? I've got all my other kit around me. You have me. everything that you need to survive looked after. You've got Do your I? oxygen, you've got your spacesuit. Oh, okay. And all my little capsules to eat and all of those bits. Yeah. Okay, so then in that case, I'm going to take my mandala, my my beads, my and my drawings. You know, my my, my mudra and my mandala. My so the mudra is the prayer beads, and the mandala is the shape, my shape, the two symbols that really hold me into mm. center. And um, I don't even need to take them literally. I can take them in recall, in mm. memory, and just be with me on Lovely. those still moments as I look out um, to all that the universe and mother nature has to offer us from that vantage point so high yeah. in the sky. It's a beautiful journey and it's going to be a very peaceful one for you, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Susan, thank you so much for igniting the the year with me and the Mindful Makers community. It's given me plenty food for thought, which I'm incredibly grateful for. And I'm excited. I'm excited about what's to come and exploring the different modalities of self-awareness, of playfulness, which music to my ears, and everything else that we discussed. It's also very comforting, I think, to know that there's something out there for everyone. So whether you're into a certain thing versus the other, there will be a community for you. And if you're not sure about where to start on this journey, a little bit of research, a little bit of curiosity um, can help you find the the space that you need to nourish and grow, which it's, it's very important, I think, especially when you're out 
at the beginning of looking into that that journey. It's critical, Saha, and I do really feel that 2024 will be the cusp of communityship and community is, uh, groups of communities, and it's finding common purpose for common good. And you know, if you break down that word community, it actually could be common unity. So you're just finding that thing that really drives you all together. And um, yeah, and I think you know all these little communities all coming together to to really to really lead in communityship. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And to you wonderful, kind-hearted viewers out there, thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Susan or the various topics discussed, you'll find it all in the show notes. The Colour Symposium is taking place very soon, so be sure to check it out if you're around Ras al Khaimah. And if you fancy taking this conversation further, join me on Instagram at saucia.edits and subscribe to the show as it really helps to nourish the community. Until next time, stay mindful, look after yourself, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.